Welcome in this evening. Very thankful that you decided to join us um, in our midweek Bible study. And we are very excited about uh, what the Lord's going to do. And we are very thankful that God's given us this opportunity to gather together, um, even if it is over uh, by means of podcast. God still gives us this opportunity, and we do appreciate that. And we're thankful for all that He continues to do for us. And um, this week, we want to begin our study through Philippians. And I uh, mentioned uh, not too long ago that God had kind of burdened my heart from Philippians and Colossians. And so we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and start studying our study through Philippians, uh, beginning in chapter number one this evening. And so uh, very excited for what God's going to do in these midweek Bible studies where we can study, study uh, excuse me, this book together. And so uh, very appreciative and thankful for his, um, his mercy and grace on us. And i uh, just ask you this evening to bear with me. Um, had some dental work done uh, about a week ago, and I am just still have a terrible toothache. So just bear with me. If I sound um, odd, just know that I'm, I'm hurting a little bit. So just pray for me, and uh, we, uh, we'll, we'll get through what God's put on our heart this evening. And so we're just very grateful and thankful for the opportunity to, uh, to study together. And we'll look in Philippians chapter number 1 and begin reading there in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform. Will perform it until the, until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel... Ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all, and in all judgment. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time together, this opportunity to study your word together, this opportunity to take this scripture in, uh, in our minds and our hearts to understand uh, what you're trying to say to us, God, what you were saying to these uh, Philippian Christians. God, I pray that you would just bless this word in our heart and in our lives. I pray that you would help all the people out there that may be listening. I pray, God, that, uh, that those uh, that, are, that are listening a part of this, uh, this service this evening, God, I pray that you bless them spiritually, mentally, and physically. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look here first in uh, Philippians chapter number one, uh, our first thought and our first message, and I'll try to keep this brief uh, from this scripture, is the thought, joy in Christ. 
And so we are very thankful that we're able to live joyful and happy uh, lives uh, through, through the Lord. We are very thankful that through uh, the salvation that we have in our heart that we can experience a joy-filled life. No matter what may happen or no matter what, mo- what may come along in our lives, God will bless us and God will fill us and he promises us that he will. And so I believe that, that Paul gives a few thoughts to these Philippians about a joy-filled life. And I want to look at those this, uh, this evening. But uh, first, as we look at this and look into this passage, passage of Scripture, Paul is writing these Philippians. And I want to uh, evaluate for just a moment and think about Paul's charge to the Philippians. But um, first, think about his care uh, for the Philippians. He loves them. He cares for them. He has a deep uh, place in his heart for them. And you'll find that to be very true here. He says in verse 3, uh, or verse 2 specifically, uh, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He greets them. And then in verse 3 he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul was a, 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 a person that loved uh, God's people. He was a person that loved um, the followers of Christ. And here he is giving that example and saying that when, when you come to my mind, when I think of you, when I'm in my prayer closet and, and that church of, at, at Philippi comes across his mind, he thanks the Lord for him. He was burdened about him. He loved them. And then it goes on to say, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it and perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so you find Paul writing here to these Philippians, and you find him challenging them and charging them to remember uh, what God do, has done for them and what God's going to do for them. You find him challenging and charging them with what God had done for him in his life and reminding him of them of that. But he wants to share his happiness and his joy in Christ with them. He, and, and he goes on to say, Even it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And so you will find that, that Paul is wanting to see this church here at Philippi experience joy and happiness in their identity with Christ. He wants to see them be fulfilled in their spiritual lives. He wants to see them walk a life that is separated and a, and a life that is spirit-filled like he has. He wants to share with them the joy that is abounding from his heart and the joy that is abounding from his soul. And I believe that he gives them three things to three points to ponder about their joy and their happiness in their walk with Christ. Paul is a humble man. He could have come to them and said, well, look at all I've been through. Look at all that I've done. Look at all that I've accomplished. Look at, uh, at, at what God did, has done for, uh, to me specifically, how, how he could have turned so many things in his life. 
in a way, in a manner that he could have been boastful about them. But he wasn't. He was humble and he was sold out to the Lord. And he says that, that, even, that the, their record, their thought, their, um, um, uh, the, the thought of them literally comes upon his heart and he is burdened for them. And he wants to see them have a happy spiritual relationship with Christ. And he gives them these three thoughts, I believe, here. And we'll look at this real quick. And we'll be done. We'll continue on later on into Philippians. But we'll look today specifically at verse number 9 through verse number 11. He says, and this I pray you, in verse, in verse number 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He's telling them giving them a key to their success as a church, a key to their success in their individual Christian lives. He is telling them to remember love. You know, I believe in this world we get in, uh, in, in, our, in our rat race, if you will, and we get a little busy doing what we're doing, and we get a little uh, uh, excited to doing what we're doing, and, it's, and we just are one thing after the other, and we're very quick to do things and make decisions, and we are just so fast-paced in everything that we do. And you can go online now, and you can buy something, and it'll be at your door in two days. You can go online, and you can uh, look something up, and you can buy it in a digital format to where you can have it in seconds. You can go Go online and see what everybody else is doing in a matter of moments. And we are in this fast-paced world that it is just nonstop consuming some kind of media, consuming something that is... Uh, is, is, is just something that, that is, is what makes us happy, what fills us up. We, in our own lives, are doing everything we can to chase after our own desires... Our attention spans are gone. We, we literally, it, it, if you can't capture someone's mind in a matter of seconds these days, you have no hope of, of them hearing anything you say. I have recently been really, really uh, studying about um, writing. I'm really, I really enjoy writing stuff, and um, I've never you know, put it out there for anybody to read, but I've really been studying writing. And, uh, and there's a specific part and piece of history that I really would like to, to write down and, and put into a book form. And whether no one ever reads it or not, that doesn't matter to me. But it's just something that I've found that, that I've enjoyed as a kind of a, a hobby on the side, if you will. And I'm studying about this and I'm reading about... Now, this is on a secular uh, page. You know, you just go on Google and look something up. And I was looking on there... And I was reading about how to effectively write a, a chapter in a book. And more specifically, I was specifically writing about how many words should be in a chapter. And the, 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 the article was stating that years ago, there would be 5,000 to 8,000 words in one chapter. People didn't have anything else to do. The, the, the writer, the author of that book didn't have to worry about uh, them getting that person getting distracted by their phone or getting distracted by their computer or something else. Years and years and years ago, there wasn't all the distractions that caught your eye. It was, uh, it was, it was amazing to sit, sit down excuse me and read a very, very long book because that's all you had to do in your free time. 
And this says that it recommends, now, now think about that, 5,000 to 10,000 words, that's a lot of words, that is a lot of words, is what chapters could be years ago in some of the largest works ever written. And it said this day to, to engage the mind of people, you would need to write, effect, to be, be able to write effectively, you would need to write between 250 and 1,500 words to be able to keep people's attention. It said that they need something that they can get in 10 minutes. They called it potato chip chapters where you can just sit down and snack and be done. Now I say all that to say that Paul is saying to these people, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He is wanting them to remember love. I don't know about you, but the easiest way to forget love is to get distracted. The easiest way that I forget the love for my wife is for me to get caught up in everything else I'm doing, get caught up in all the things that are chasing me around, all the things that I'm following, and then uh, she's distraught and she's hurt and something's happened, and here she needs me to come along, and I've been distracted by something else. I've been chasing something else. I've been following something else. And my attention span just isn't what it needs to be. I have to retrain my brain that when I'm dealing in love and I'm dealing in life and I'm dealing with my, my, my relationship to my wife that I need to take my time. I need to let love in my life and in my heart abound. The love within you, the love within me, if you're saved tonight, is a volume of so many words that we can't, our minds can't even comprehend how great the love of Christ is. But I'm afraid that in the nation we live in, in the world we live in, and even in, in the day Paul was living in, that love is broken down to something that we just want. Kind of a snack. We just want just enough to make us feel all right. But we get chased or, and we get, or we get chasing around after things and running after things and distracted by things. And then we put that to the side. How I want my love in my heart, the love in my life, the love for my church, the love for my wife, the love for my family, the love for people, the love for lost souls to abound in my life. I want the love of the Lord to be a central theme of my life. I want the love in my heart to literally flow from me, to come out of me in a way that people just get around me and they see it. I want the love in my heart to be a volume of thousands and thousands, thousands of words that I don't even have to speak, but people can look and say, that's a man that's bound, abounding with love. Remember love. That was Paul's burden. Is that for the church people to have joy that he needed to emphasize that their love would abound. I don't know about you, but I couldn't imagine growing up in a home without love. And you grow up and you just see more and more of the sacrifice that your parents make for you. If you have good godly parents. If you have people that care about you, 
people that love you. You get a little older and you realize, man, they, they really made some sacrifices for me. They really done a lot to help me and bless me in my life. And that love that abounds isn't always just I love you. It isn't always just a pat on the back or a hug or a kiss or whatever. It's them providing for you when you don't even realize it. When you as a Christian sell yourself out to love, when you uh, purpose in your heart to love and let love abound from your life, it will produce fruit that you won't even imagine. It will produce joy. It will produce happiness. It will produce a content heart. It will produce a happy mind. It will produce a pure life. If we can just settle that, I need to let love abound from my heart to other people. Not just Christians, not just people inside my church, not just people on my, live on my road, not just people that I know, but love to everyone. Abound. That's the, this, all this that's going on in our world right now. All the craziness happening, all the things coming up, and all the things going on could be calmed down by people who would let love abound from their hearts. Church people, we have the key to this situation. It's love and letting that flow from our hearts. When I let love flow from my heart, I can experience joy beyond imagination. I can be on the mountaintop, happy, fulfilled, full of the Spirit, if I can let that love abound from my heart. Next, we'll go on to verse number 10. The Bible says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You know, I really got to thinking about this, and I was uh, considering uh, my first thought of love and how love is important and how uh, love is, 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 a, is a key thing and how our attention spans prevent us from loving like we should and our distractions of the world prevent us from loving like we should. But you know, the thing about love is it's probably also, uh, as it's one of the most needed things in our world, it's also probably one of the uh, most overused words that I've ever heard. I've had a lot of people tell me they love me. I've had a lot of people act like they love me. I had a lot of people uh, uh, make me kind of feel like they love me. I've heard it said to other people. I've heard people tell each other that. I've heard uh, uh, people just kind of put that out there on Facebook that they love this or they love that or they love this person or they love this celebrity. But I'm afraid that if we cannot love out of a sincere heart, if we cannot live out of a sincere heart, if we cannot uh, do things out of a sincere heart, then it's all vain. It's all vanity. There's no use in doing anything. Anything that we do, if we can't do it from a sincere heart, if I can't do uh, my walk, my walk with Christ from a sincere heart, I, I might as well just just not walk because in my in my walk and in my life, I'm not gaining myself anything if I don't walk in a way that is sincere. He says here that he said that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense. What does he say here? He says, till the day of Christ. Being sincere is living in preparation of Christ's return. What does being sincere mean? Being sincere means that the way you look at somebody and the way that you address somebody is in a way that out of your heart you're abounding in love and you're showing them not for your gain, not for your benefit, 
But because of the love in your heart that you are, you are, are loving on them, you're sharing with them, you're ministering to them out of a heart that isn't doing it for any other reason besides to lo- show the love of tri- Christ. True sincerity comes from a heart that loves the Lord. I want to be in my walk with Christ sincere. I really do. I can't say that I always am. I can't say that I'm always looking for uh, something that's going to benefit the kingdom of God before it benefits me. But I'd say that in my joy, as far as joy goes in my walk with Christ, I'm more joyful when I do things from a sincere heart. If I do something from a heart that, that is in some way trying to benefit Josh, in some way trying to help me out, some way trying to make life easier for me, it's harder to have joy. I may get what I want, but I'm not going to have joy. I believe Paul is challenging these people to remember love, but remember sincerity. To live sincere, walk sincere, to abound in love is to live like Christ is on his way as we speak. The biggest problem, I believe, honest to goodness, the biggest problem with church people is that they don't take the return of Christ seriously. You say, well, no, the the biggest problem could be, you know, biblical issues that people have or uh, people, you know, they, they fight amongst one another or they disagree and they dislike other churches. The biggest problem is denomination. The biggest problem is, is different versions of the Bible. The biggest problem is, is, is the, the type of music that's presented. I'll agree all those things are problems. But I believe that the root of all those problems is Satan's devices trying to get in the minds of men and change up God's word, trying to get into the minds of men and change up worship. He's trying to get into the minds of men and change up uh, the the order and the the respect that church needs. He's in there and his devices are causing people on this side of the church not to like those people on the other side of the church. His devices are intently trying to divide God's people and what that does is that distracts God's people from the imminent return of Christ. So I believe that the biggest problem we're facing is that people are not living prepared. Because the devices of the devil have gotten in the way and separated man from his walk with the Lord. But someone who is, in, is sincere in their heart, someone who is abounding in love, someone who is living in joy, I guarantee you, you can ask them about the return of Christ. And they'll find joy in his return. You say, well, I don't want to die. I, don't, I really don't, don't either. I've got exciting things on my horizon. I've got things I want to do. I've got places I want to go. I've got things I've got to see. There's things that I, I want to have. There's things that I want to experience in my life. But I find joy in the fact that amongst this crazy world, with all this, this stuff that happens, with all the stuff that goes on, that Christ could return and I could be prepared to go with him to my eternal home. Out of a sincere heart, that's the only way we can experience joy in Christ's return. That's the only way that we can say that we love someone and it be true. It's the most misused term. I love you, I love this, I love that. 
But true love is sincere. True joy comes from a sincere heart. And Paul is asking and challenging these people to remember sincerity. Look at this in verse number 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He's asking them to remember sustainability. I want you to think about the most successful patch of Christian living you've ever done. I want you to think about the most successful part of your Christian life you've ever had. The happiest time with the Lord that you've ever been. The, the most fulfilled and joyful you've ever been in your life. I want you to think about that. Take that time in your mind. And consider, when, when was I the most joyful spiritually in my life? He is building up to that time. And he says, being filled, this is why we're loving, this is why we're being sincere. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. A loving life, a sincere life, brings a sustainable life. You can look at people, and I think about some of the godliest people I've ever known in my entire life have had less as far as uh, earthly possessions. They have had less than, than some of the poorest people on the globe. But they're happy, they're content, they're joyful, they're filled, and they're sustained by the fruits of the righteousness of God. Which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. That, that's a, the fruits of righteousness. Those are gifts from God. Those are fruits that are bore. Those are fruits that come from our labor. Those are fruits that can, can come from a sincere heart. Those are fruits that come from, from a life that is abounding in joy and love. To think about living a life where you don't have much in a physical manner. You don't have much in a a, a earthly manner is what man would look at what we have and man would look at what we own and man would look at the things that we can buy and obtain and they don't really amount to much. They don't really, really, really have a lot in your life or maybe my life or whoever's life. But to think that you could have in a spiritual way fruits beyond comprehension, fruits of joy, fruits of peace, Fruits of happiness, fruits of fulfillment that God can provide for you. If you'll abound in love, if you'll live in love, and if you'll walk in sincerity, the way you deal with people. God will sustain you if you love and if you're sincere. He will sustain you. Think about the most loving person you've ever known in your life. And I, I've got someone in mind I, I, I think of that's just the most loving person. 
And think about what Christ has done. Consider what he's done. He came sinless, blameless to the cross on Calvary, and he died for you and for me. He gave his life for a bunch of sinners and those that didn't deserve to ever even be brought into his family. And think about the person that you know that just is the most loving person. And think about how great God's love is. That, that person that you're thinking of could be the most loving person anyone has ever met. And that love can't even, can't even touch the love of Christ. That person that you know, that you love, it may be a mother, grandmother, brother, sister, friend, cousin, whatever it may be. They'll love you, but they'll let you down. When this is saying abound in love, it's not talking about abound in the love that grandma has showed you. Chances are, if you've got a good grandmother, she's probably got love abounding from the right place. And her love makes you want to love. But the Bible doesn't say abound from grandma's love. The Bible doesn't say abound from mom and dad's love. The Bible teaches us that we abound in love. And he's referring to the love of God, the love of Christ. Like I said, chances are that person that you were thinking of, that most loving person you know, chances are in their heart and in their life, they have love of God in, they have the love of God in them, and it abounds out. And you know what? That's contagious. That makes me want to love. I think about when I would kind of get down and out on people and kind of get negative towards people and, and get to where I didn't really like people and uh, get, get, you know, looking down on somebody. And somebody would always come along. God would always send somebody by that would just show them love. And it would make me feel an inch tall. That love of God abounding from someone makes me want to love makes me want to be joyful in my walk with Christ and then think about sincerity think about shaking someone's hand giving someone a hug or someone telling you that they love you and you know and you can feel that they just don't mean it but that family member that dad or mom or grandparent or whoever it may be comes along and puts their arm around you picks you up dusts you off and you know that they're not doing it for gain or benefit they're doing it because they love you that makes me want to be more sincere in what I do that makes me want to be closer to the Lord makes me want to be more dedicated to his cause because Jesus when I didn't deserve him, when I was down, he came and he picked me up. He dusted me off. He washed me white as snow. And he gave me a purpose in my life. And he didn't have to. And he did it out of a sincere heart abounding with love. If we can grasp hold of these things in our life, a sincere love. I believe that we will experience the blessings 
those fruits of righteousness which are provided by none other than the Lord Jesus and our walk with him. So well, I want to I know about having joy. The key to joy is right there. It's love and sincerity. Showing people love, showing people mercy, and doing it out of a sincere heart will surely give you a sustainable life. Thank you for being attentive. We will pray and look forward to the next time we can gather together, whether it's through podcast or in person. We're praying for each of you. We have special objects. We pray that we will together, as God's children, pray for those objects. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the time together. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings, all that you've done for us, all you've blessed us with. God, I pray for each of these people that will listen to this podcast. Pray, God, that you'd bless them. I pray, God, that you'd help them. I pray, God, that uh, nothing, I know that nothing I can say could ever be a help, but, God, maybe something that you could say through your word could benefit us all. Pray, God, that we would grasp hold of the truth found here in Philippians. God, that we would abound in love, that we would walk a sincere life. God, and we thank you for those fruits of righteousness. God, that we can see those fruits so evident and clear in our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.